0: When I see pagans standing on street corners all around the country, bearing leaflets uh, telling me the exact time and date of the of the end of the world or the goddesses returning, I will take that seriously, because you know that shit is real. everybody, it's Luckylicious and this is Eat My Pagan Ass. It is May 21st, the Day of Judgment. If you are not one of the holy select, you will be left behind to witness the end of the world, which will happen on October 21st. So, today's not officially the end of the world. Today is the day that all the self-righteous assholes get taken off the planet. And for the next six months, we basically are going to have a really fucking good time. <laughs> Kitties, if you're listening to this podcast, this means that you are a sinner, unclean, unworthy, and doomed to death. So nice to see that you're here with me because, you know, we pagans just don't give a flying fuck for weird space shit, alien, Jesus, take me up in a tornado, whatever it is, trumpets blasting and all that crap. Unless you're talking about the Horn of Heimdall, of course, and the Bifrost Bridge. Hello? Did we see Thor? I did. I did. Twice. 3D. Yes. That's what I'm talking about, kids. I am about to play for you an interview that I did with a beautiful woman named Silky Larazel. Don't you just like that name? I love that name. Silky. I just like to say, hey, Silky how are you doing? I'll call her up and just say her name over and over again, just because I like to say it. Is that so wrong? I don't think so. So I did this interview with her and, um, I, she's a good friend of mine and a high priestess of the super uber powerful pagan cult in New York city. Not really a cult, but you know what I'm saying? And, um, we talk a lot about a lot of things and it gets pretty serious. And I have to admit as the first podcast out of the gate since Carmen upped and left with this crazy group of I don't know what maybe maybe she's part of it, you know I didn't. Wait a minute, back it up. I'm starting to get a clue. Carmen kickass must be part of this family radio Herald camping cult out in Los Angeles that's propagating all of this disgusting, stupid stupidity about the rapture. That's probably where she went, guys. She's like... Not really a pagan. She's totally uber Christian because you remember if you listen back some of her podcast that we did together, she's talking about, you know, her Catholic upbringing. Although the Catholics apparently are not holy enough to be going up today's rapture, they're sticking around with us too. Just saying, Carmen. Um, maybe I'll get a phone call from her tomorrow, like all weepy and in tears. <laughs> Lucky. I thought I was going up to heaven, but it's not true. And I'll be like, whatever. Keep coming back. Come back come back to the podcast. Everyone will forgive you and, and you know, be, be a badass pagan once again. I don't know. It's just a theory. But I'm wondering if she's really cavorting around Stonehenge as she claimed. Rather, she's sitting in some chapel in some suburb of Los Angeles, praying to Holy Jesus to take her away today, so she doesn't have to pay her credit card bills. Probably, I mean, I can relate to that, right? Now, which gets me thinking about Doomsday in general. Like, why? What is this fascination with the with Doomsday and and praying for it and asking for it? And and we've talked about it before on the podcast about how this is some kind of like psych, mass psychosis that you see in. These end-of-day cults, most of which have the patina of Christianity, but really, what do they have to I mean, with all fairness to the Christians, what do they really have to do with Christianity? Not much. I mean, it, it, it derives an element from it and then runs wild on some crazy tangent, and you have this radicalized sect, which is, you know, whatever. It happens to all of us. I'm sure there's end-of-day pagans out there, although I haven't met any. And if there are any, please email eatmypaganass at gmail.com and tell me when the end of our world is coming so I can prepare, you know, and won't laugh. When I see pagans standing on street corners all around the country, bearing leaflets, uh, telling me the exact time and date of the the end of the world or the goddesses returning, I will take that seriously. Because you know that shit is real. Okay. So, um, anyway, yeah, I don't understand though why, you know, these people are, t- I think it's like a death wish, right? It's like, it's like a communal death wish at a deep psychological level. People just, you have to be really unhappy with your life and, and, and you have to be really self-loathing and you, you have to really be one of these types of persons who would look at like the most gorgeous giant ancient Oak tree in the world and just not see anything there except maybe like paper and toilet paper right it's probably like tied in with consumerism and i, I don't know i don't know I, I know these end of the world things go back you know forever there've been many you know god is in his holy temple we all know that from poltergeist right some of you are probably too young or haven't seen the poltergeist movies go see them they are classics and amazing and there's of course tangina which if you need any reason to see poltergeist there it is tangina <laughs> Yes, I promise, please. Ah, this house is clean. Um, So, yeah, these things go back way, way, way back, and, and the end of the world has come and gone and come and gone and come and gone, and people's lives have been completely ruined because they're totally suckered into buying into all this crap that some religious, you know, charismatic leader tells them, and it's like, uh, you know, uh, yes, I feel bad for those people. They're suckers, basically. And a sucker is born every minute. I think that was P.T. Barnum who said that. There's going to be people out there tomorrow who are shell-shocked. They've given up their homes, you know, their, their money. Their, their Probably their families walked away fully believing that Holy Lord Jesus Christ was coming on a Frisbee down from heaven to suck them all up into a Hoover vacuum cleaner to dance at a major, like, super-exclusive club party in the sky until the end of the world comes and heaven returns to earth. Come May 22nd. You know, they're going to be like, what the fuck? And we've just got to, you know, help them and be like, you know, look, it happens. So sorry for you. You know, live and learn. Hopefully you won't be waiting till, you know, January 13th, 2014, the next end of the world. Because this this camping guy has been wrong before, kids. He's he's done it before. And, okay, let me take a step back. Any Any idiot who believes the end of the world is coming because this camping guy says it is, Really deserves everything they got coming to them tomorrow Because this guy has predicted it before And he was completely wrong And, uh I don't know, maybe I won't, I won't feel. You know what, I don't give a fuck I don't care, idiots <laughs> I got my own problems, right Uh, actually I don't, I don't know I feel pretty good right now um, I am in my new apartment In a gorgeous neighborhood in Brooklyn And I moved here in mid-February or March I don't remember and it's the place that I wanted to move to and it's just amazing. Today I walked around and we have the most gorgeous beautiful spring morning I think I've ever seen in well or seen in a very long time. And uh it just makes me happy. You know, you just got to be happy where you are. And for many years I wasn't happy whether it was in a relationship whether it was um, in a job, whether it was, you know, in a circle of friends or a coven or if it was an apartment, a city, whatever it was. If, if I wasn't happy, I just moved on. And I did that over and over and over again my whole life. And, and I seem pretty content right now. And that's awesome. You know, so you just got to just keep trying. You just got to get up on that horse and, and just move on to the next pokey town or something, you know. And so that's I, I don't understand what, what the end of worlders are all about, I guess, in that regard. Because if I was unhappy, you know, I wouldn't just, like, hope for the end of everything. Although, uh, okay, let me take a step back. There was a time, a very dark period in Lucky's life, when I was 100% misanthropic, meaning I could not stand anybody. I thought people were scum. I thought we were awful. I saw myself more as an avatar of Earth than a human being. And imagine that Earth was pretty pissed off about all the things that we're doing, which, uh, frankly, I think she is. And, you know, we need to deal with that and, and make things better and make things right. We all need to do our part. I see that now. But back then I was just like, oh, it's just a lost cause. I hope every I hope a horrible virus wipes out the entire human race. You know, I just I really, really was in a dark place. So i can kind of if i really look down deep i realize that there is a little bit of um end of days stuff inside of me too and although it's not in the form of you know holy roly mcjesus on a big mac flying down from the sky it takes its own dark and twisted forms and um Maybe it's all coming from the same place. It's all the same place of uh, maybe, you know, when I look back on that point in my life, I think there was a lot of, you know, self-loathing. I just, I was just doing it wrong. You know, I had a bad perspective and um, I had some legitimate gripes about what was happening, but I wasn't really doing anything about it except praying for everybody to die. I mean, and what did that get me? Made me weird. Made me not have any friends and lonely. Turned me into a podcaster oh god it could happen to you so don't don't go there okay i'm being you know stupid but why not carmen's not here somebody's got to make up the stupid quotient so i'm i have to like cover for both of us so i'm gonna be stupid and smart okay end of the world isn't coming hello hallelujah and let's move on so this podcast this interview that i did with my friend silky um like a few weeks ago, you know, whatever. I didn't have time, got to it, whatever. It's it's intense in places. And so I was really hemming and hawing, as I was saying, as my first podcast out of the gate since Carmen went off on her Rudy Tootie show, is did uh, I want it to be so serious. And, and I just didn't really know what to do with it. And so I've just been, like, sitting with this going, gosh, I don't know. Like, how are people going to take this? And then I finally said, who the fuck cares? Just... Put it out there, and, and people like it, they like it, and if they don't, they don't, and so won't it be. I should tell you what it's all about, right? It's about fairy. We're going to talk about fairy, which I guess is appropriate to the end of the world, because they have their vision, you know, these crazy, kooky Christian types, sects, non-representative of the whole, you know, whole of Christianity, weirdos, have their vision of what's to come in the 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 day after or whatever they want to call it and and i suppose we as pagans have our own version too although it's it's more synthesized and integrated into life like death and life are closely interwoven and it's not one or the other it's not black and white it's all you know we all dance together in this eternal dance and it's different and so i I just wanted to explore that and fairy the world of fairy is is a particularly interesting concept um and it's one that I've, I'm kind of new to, um, in a, at least in terms of couching it in in those terms, right? Uh, fairy and and, and all of that. I, I think, like many of us, we've had experiences, and, and as you hear Silky talk about what fairy is or what it means, you'll 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 find some sort of connection there and say, oh, you know, I had a similar. I didn't realize that that's you know how w- what it was called or that's what it's all about, but I understand what what that is So um, that's I just wanted to go there with her, and I wanted to bring you guys there too uh, with me. So I hope you enjoy. I'll do the whole thing in its entirety. All right, fine. Make it easy. Um, Hopefully, I'll throw some really cool music. Silky mentions she likes some fairy type music, and and I'm gonna look for it and, and plop it in. So it's not all interview all the time. So you know, this could be a really awesome. It's going to be a really awesome show. Let me put it that way. you know sit back relax light a candle burn some incense get real cozy it's a comfy one you know comfy quiet laid back and there's a lot to learn and she's just such an interesting cool gal too and and that's also why i wanted to introduce her all to you so ladies and gentlemen and everyone in between silky layers love you all email me eatmypaganass at gmail.com Everybody, this is Luckylicious from Eat My Pagan Ass, the Pagan Podcast, and I am here with special guest Silky Larizel, a high priestess of the Grailwood Coven in New York City, an artist, a fashion designer, a interior decorator, um, <laughs> she's covering her face, um, a, an author, a playwright, an actor, a director, um, someone who lives the artistic path to the fullest, as well as The Magical Path, join me in welcoming Silky. Hi Silky, how are you doing today? Hi
1: Lucky, thank you so much for the uh, kudos. (laughs) Thanks so
0: much for being on the show.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. I've been listening to some of your podcasts and they're just wonderful. Oh thanks. They're so entertaining and congratulations on that as well. Oh thanks, thank Mm -hmm. you very
0: much. Uh, It's a labor of love. And okay. I love the people who listen, so <laughs> this is for them. Okay. So we're here in your Midtown Manhattan apartment, which yes, you are. Uh, for anybody who's, who's not here, I'd just like to give them a little bit of a, a mind vision of, of where we are. Uh, I'm in the living room and I'm on the floor with Silky and we're drinking nice cups of hot tea that she just brewed for us. Thank you very much, Silky.
1: Oh, you welcome.
0: And, uh, she's got lots of plants in here and she's got a bird and tons and tons and tons of books and, uh, dark oaken wooden furniture and everything's just generally dark and, and kind of comfortable, magical speaking even. It's almost like a, like a Victorian drawing room.
1: You think so? Well, it could be. Really? Sure. Well, children like it. Yeah. I don't know if they would like a Victorian drawing room. Well,
0: what's the difference? Maybe I'm getting it wrong. Maybe I don't know how to the They
1: think is. it's like the bottom of a toy box. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is. It is like that, huh?
1: Yes, I think so. And you've
0: got you've got a chinchilla farm over here. Oh
1: well, there's my three girls. Yes.
0: Yeah. And a gargoyle or two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> two actually, twins. <laughs>
0: Why don't you tell the listeners just a little bit about who you are in in so many words and what brings you to New York?
1: All right, um, let's see. Who am I? My name is Silky Lirasel, and I am the High Priestess of growwood Coven, and um, but I'm predominantly an artist. I think I think that's how I started on this path. Is is through art. Um, my mother's Japanese. Um, my father was Welsh, so I'm a kind of polyglot all by myself. Oh dear, what else do you want well, to know? Well, you've been all
0: around the world, really, haven't you?
1: I've been here, here and much. there, yeah, yeah. Mostly in during childhood and, and adolescence because my mother was a gypsy. We mm. just traveled quite a bit and it was sort of every so many years we had to learn a new language and a new culture. So. I'm kind of happy to stay put for a while.
0: Mm. How long have you been situated in New York?
1: Um, long time. Um 13 14 years.
0: Mm. Really?
1: Mm-hmm. Long time. That's
0: about as long as I've been here. Really? I thought you've always been here longer than that.
1: Oh, well, it kind of feels that way. Oh, no. It's the moss that's growing on yeah. here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so um so you've been in the in the pagan scene for a while.
1: As soon as I got here, yeah. pretty much.
0: How, how did you? What was the first thing you found when you came to New York, and what did you think about it?
1: Um, well, the first thing I found was the public library. <laughs> I, I always do that because, you know, um, I mean, you get, I was scared, so I wanted to read books. But I came here to go to school. I wanted to go to the neighborhood playhouse because Sanford Meisner was teaching it. And I, wa- I had heard about Method, and I had seen Nicole Williamson doing Hamlet on video and I had been at that point I was going to an English school but when I saw Nicole Williamson I realized that I wanted to do what he was doing and I started asking about it and they said oh well that's method isn't it the Americans do that so, so I told my mother I was going to New York and she said well we're not paying for it <laughs> <laughs> so I sold everything I had and I came here and uh, I was terrified so I went to the library and got some books.
0: Hmm. You, um, you drama has been a huge part of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I yes. And I know in working with you, I, I was a student of yours at one point in mm-hmm. drama. A
1: very good student.
0: Oh, thank you. Um, <clears throat> y- you, uh, at the time you you'd written a play called Caholin and the Queen of Fairy. Oh yes, yeah. And why don't you tell the folks a little bit about that play? and What inspired it?
1: It's not a play that I'm terribly proud of, only because. I was still learning my craft as a writer. Um, I think the subject matter is fabulous, and I hope to to entertain it again one day. But I was working it, with another coven at the time, and I wanted to write myth reenactment, and I love the story of Kahalan, so um, so I wrote the play, and I cast my students in it, that I as many students as I had, and I also cast outside of that, and I pulled everyone together and we did the play.
0: <laughs> what what is it? What is the story of Caelan and the Queen of Fairy? Where does it come from? What tradition?
1: It's uh, the Celtic tradition, Irish actually. Specifically, it's the story of the Fairy Queen, Fond, who falls in love with um Cahullin and brings him to fairy. Caelan is
0: the like the Hercules of Ireland.
1: Exactly. Right? He's yeah. he's strong and manly and and maybe a little naive. So, um but he's he But well hung. Exactly, (laughs) and married. Let me add, which makes it a little bit.
0: Never mind, I just lost interest.
1: (laughs) No, no. Anyway, so um, yes, yes. He goes to fairy, and it's this wonderful story, because Fawn, the queen of fairy, has been rejected by her husband, the sea king, um, Manana McLear. There you are, and uh, so he um. So he is totally enchanted by her, and for the first time in his life, he's ready to throw everything away and stay in fairy with this enchanting woman. And so his wife gets wind of this and storms the citadel, as it were, <laughs> and with all her kinswomen brandishing uh, all sorts of kitchen knives and <laughs> whatever they can lay their hands on, they attack. And drag the Holland back to Earth. The reason the story interested me was because there was so much about the interplay between the human character, the human desires, that you don't read specifically, you know, in the story, but you know is there. So I, and, and it's really, it's better than a soap opera, so mm. <laughs> there's lots of fodder there, so I, mm. I really wanted to...
0: I I had a lot of fun doing that play. I I was the character of Angus. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. Prince of Fairy. Yeah. And uh, that was that was a big treat. So
1: yeah, you enjoyed those tights that you were wearing. You looked very, very smashing. Yeah. And
0: and all the leather and the swords (laughs) and
1: that's what it was. Dress
0: me up in your love, baby. (laughs) Love it. Um. So let's talk a little bit about drama and paganism. What's the what's the overlap there?
1: Okay. Mm, That's a huge topic, and it's hard to go into without understanding the precepts of of method acting. Um, I learned a lot of things about things that are authentic from studying method, from studying with, um, I studied with a world-class teacher, Sanford Meisner, and he taught me about truthful organic creation, and i began to understand when they talk about bardic work about um the great bards and artists of their time were considered godlike they were they were revered and and beloved and the reason was because they were actually in tune with something that is sacred and divine and that is something i extrapolated by learning this technique and realizing what resources it took for me to do my job, you know, beyond craft the art of the of the of any of any art. I mean, the the art part of it, the component, brings you close to an understanding of something that is much bigger than you might suppose. Mm. It's beyond. Um, I think a lot of people think acting is pretending. That acting is um, showing off. That acting is being beautiful and certainly all those things are nice they're helpful but um, the real the godlike element the muse element of acting is something that comes out of you because um, you're able to to cull from yourself your experiences your um, your memories your emotions and and turn that into something truthful and organic and that to me is part of the process of creation itself
0: how does that link people to the myths how, how how can the tenets of method acting or good bardic work bring bring to life the stories that inspired our ancestors well
1: you can't bring you can't bring these things to life without touching on 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 the god you must find that in yourself or you're just telling a story and all myths you know reveal some truthful human element that um some truthful quandary some true um revelation some picture of the truth and as soon as you as if you are an artist and you interpret that in the way that it's meant to be interpreted then it touches something in the people that watch it as well, and they actually experience rather than just intellectually understand. Hmm. That makes all the difference in the world.
0: So at the last Grailwood uh, open ritual for the celebration of Spring Equinox, yeah. um, you wrote a series of monologues, three monologues, along the story of Bladiveth and her creation by Gwydion and Math and right. her marriage to how do you say that? <laughs>
1: Pre-trau.
0: Pre-trau.
1: Pre-trau it's
0: difficult to pronounce Welsh, if yes, you're not. Yes, it is. If you're not Welsh.
1: Well, I'm. I'm Welsh, but I, it's difficult to <laughs> pronounce. All right, No, I don't speak it, so.
0: So, uh, talk a little bit about where in the telling of this, you know, here's a story, a, a myth mm-hmm. about uh, taken from the Mabinogian, right? Mm-hmm. Or uh, on, or. Where?
1: Well, for, well, yes. It's also in the Ma- uh, Mabinogian. but it's older but than that. It's yes, of course, it is. The, um, right. the Mabinogian is an interpretation
0: of oral traditions that mm-hmm, came before, right? Mm-hmm. So, where is where's the here? You have a, a a woman that's crafted from magic and and the flowers and mm-hmm. and kind of man's will.
1: Mm-hmm, that's Bedivere,
0: right? Mm-hmm. And uh, how, where's the human story? Like, where? Just take us through that that production, basically that we did.
1: Okay. Um all right well what we're talking about here is first of all it's the uh, it was the vernal equinox uh, at that time vernal meaning spring that is the time that we it wasn't
0: the venereal equinox <laughs> for some of us maybe
1: <laughs> yes i i'm not going to comment on that because <laughs> i don't want to tread on any toes here um no, it, not for not for our group. Uh, at the time, we were definitely considering the um, the re- eternal return of spring to to the land, to the sacred land, and um, Bladivath being made from flowers and being created at that time of year is actually the life force incarnate. She is the. The amoral um feeling um desire to survive that all all living things must go through in the spring in order to to triumph and and come to blossom and fruition so um her story, although she is um at fault she's an, she becomes an adulteress she's created in a moment and then given away in a moment. And she has no free will over this situation, and then when she actually does find true love, she is forced to make a decision or make a choice between her um the person she was given to and the person that she gives her love to and because of that, she um is revered in ancient times as a as a creature of intuitive wisdom um she holds within her the, um, the sacred life force. So we wanted to tell this story in a way that, in our, in our culture, we're, you know, we're so conditioned um, to, to see everything in moral terms that anything that's amoral is suspect. But the truth of the matter is, this is beyond morality. The survival of, of life itself is not, um, cannot be talked about in terms of morality. You know, we survived because it is our directive to do so, and that's how Blue Diveth you know, went on. So that's what we wanted, that's what I wanted to put into the enactment, and by the way, you did a really good job. Mm. Very good job. <clears throat> as the character whose name you cannot pronounce. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So uh, I remember the folks who w- participated and watched that reenactment just seemed really attentive. So it seems like there was some good theater there within the sacred confines I hope so, yeah. of a magical circle and <laughs> uh-huh. Sabbath celebration. Yeah, is that something that you see Grailwood doing more of? Oh yes, mm-hmm.
1: yes. Um, I think um, I think that one of the ways that we can become very close to deity is to, um, and to close to fairy, is to, is to sing, to dance, to act, and to bring forward our love of, of the mysteries, of the, of the myths and the legends that are part of our, our, um, our species memory. You now I want to reenact them. Mm. I want to bring them back and I want to uh, validate them again.
0: I thought you did a good job of that by um, coaching us as actors to find the relationship and the reality within ourselves of what the characters are talking about. And, and through identifying or relating to the anger of the father whose son has been slain and whose.
1: Oh, that's right. That's the part you played. Yeah, I play Gwiddy. You know, I mm. never could. The reason I keep forgetting that is because I wanted to cast you in the other part, mm. but I knew that you could do the part that I gave you and I wasn't so sure about the other actor that he was really right for the other part. Mm, mm -hmm. So, But I still think of you, one day I'm going to redo it and I'm going to cast you as 3,000. (laughs)
0: 3,000.
1: Only if you learn to say it. But that sounded pretty good, yeah. Thanks. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) (laughs) It's more of like a... sound. Like whistle. (laughs)
0: Like
1: if you... (laughs) If you had a lisp and you tried to say whistle, tr- tr- tr-
0: whistle, tr- whistle. Well, <laughs> yeah. I'll work on it. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty. Railwood is a fairy tradition. Yes, it is. And so, what does that mean? What What is the fairy? What are they? <laughs>
1: okay, what is the fairy?
0: Because there's so many different types of fairy out there, so maybe you should clarify yes, it, which one. Yeah, part?
1: it. Um, fairy is the um the formalization of of these um energies that inhabit our psyches, but are not confined to our psyches. They live within us, and they also live in the um. In the macrocosm they start from the unseen worlds version of of animals which we call elementals up to tutelary spirits and you know guides teachers on to the highest level of spirituality which we call deities all the way to i think um the infinite mind um so so this covers a huge range and although we have tried to uh, to denigrate and trivialize and invalidate fairy it's encoded in our d- dna i think this is um, this is something that is universal in every culture we have a, a faith and it is the fairy faith and that is that there are other worlds other realms that um, coexist Along with ours, it's funny, you know. R. J. Stewart was saying in, this, in his book about fairy that nobody has any problem believing that there may be life on other planets, but everybody has everybody stops and gets worried when you talk about other realms or other dimensions. But I, I don't see the difference really.
0: So, what what are the <laughs> what are the fairy that Grailwood Coven works with? And- we
1: work with every pantheon that brings knowledge to us. But we are definitely have a predilection for uh, the welsh tradition um because a i'm welsh and um it is a it is a um it's easy for me to understand and formalize that and also because um in some ways we we did rather want to move past the celts for a while and um because we came from another another uh, tradition and um, we had a lot of the Irish for for many years so we wanted something different and um, and because the Welsh have no problem um, taking wisdom wherever they find it the Welsh tradition has always been that way and they've always taken um, wherever they find wisdom it doesn't matter what culture or what pantheon it comes from they will adapt it. Well, we want to do that too. Hmm.
0: I've heard you mention some similarities between... Welsh fairy and ancestor, and Japanese um, mm-hmm. spirituality.
1: That's a big kettle. Can
0: you yeah. Talk a little bit about that because you're you're both you you come mm-hmm. from both currents, ancestral mm-hmm. currents, and mm-hmm. they've kind of found a very interesting blend. But fortunately for you, they they seem to be quite compatible and complementary.
1: Well, Shintoism, which is the uh, the basic um, national religion of Japan, is is basically Wiccan. And I didn't even know that, of course, because I hadn't heard of Wicca when I was very little. But uh, my grandfather used to talk about the family gods and the, and the ancestors and he took me to temple. And I, I, yeah, I learned an appreciation of nature that's somewhat different from Western culture, although I think Western culture has it too. It, but in Japan, it is, it's, cult- it's consciously cultivated and it's part of the, the national religion and it's very it's um, you know a modern industrial country despite the fact that it's been devastated by its own technology nevertheless um, it is a, a powerful uh, modern society and yet their religion is still very much rooted in the um, tribal the tribal beliefs and um, culture of you know that we once had and no longer do. Yes, there's some distinct similarities. And in fact, moving from um, Shintoism into Wicca, there's almost no difference. The names are different the innocent but you know they're pretty much it's pretty much the same the same ideas the idea that um, we are all interconnected everything um, this is a fairy tradition belief um, that we are all interconnected to the land to uh, all of the inhabitants of the land which includes the trees the rocks the people that all of us are are interconnected and are in fact part of cells of a, of a huge organism that we call the universe. So that's, um, that's a fairy tra- tradition belief and um, um, certainly one that is embraced by Shintoism as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Are some ways that people can journey to Ferry or to connect with Ferry and for what purpose
1: journeying to Ferry um, is hmm it's so individualistic there's not a formula there are people that have never that have never taken any courses or studied with anyone who go to Ferry uh, on a regular basis and whatever they're doing to do that they should continue doing that and not pay any attention to anything I've got to say there's many steps, but one starts with just focusing on anything without, without breaking that focus. You have to start learning to attune yourself. What you're doing is changing your consciousness. Some people can do that with drugs, hallucinogenics, and, and it works quite well.
0: Not mentioning any names.
1: Not mentioning any names, yes. On the other hand, you should be able to do it on your own as well. It's very important to be able to do it. Um, it disciplines your mind. It changes your perceptions. Um, it makes you more powerful, more focused. And I'm all for power as long as it's self-power that you want, you know, control over your own mind. And, and um, you want to amplify your focus. And uh, these are all the things that we work towards as witches.
0: In in some of our classes, you've talked about a critical need for humanity to open up to the realm of fairy because of all the devastation that we're wreaking on the planet and the environment. Well, we're going
1: to lose our, as we lose our tribal consciousness, what happens is that, I, I don't want to say anything against Christianity because, you know, it's easy to denigrate someone else's religion. But there's a defocus, this idea that it's all right to exploit other you know all other species it's all right to exploit land that comes out of the fact that there's no um there's no real cultivated respect for for what we've been giving these are these are gifts these are incredible sacred gifts that we have we are stewards of this land and if we don't pay attention to that what's going to keep happening is that we're going to slowly destroy it in the name of corporate greed. And as witches, we have to start doing something about that. I, I don't think that we can just circle and be happy, you know, raising our consciousness. I think we have to do something with that. And if we're not going to try to protect the land and to protect the the sacredness of, of other life forms, then, then who? Then who? It's got to be us. So yes, yes. We have a responsibility, and we have to start talking about that, that's the next step, I think, in Wicca. First, we have to quit being afraid of saying, yes, that's right, we're Wiccans, we're witches and we respect the land and we think it's sacred. We respect everything that, that exists, that is manifest, and that which will be manifest. And we, and in that respect, and in and in that worship, we plan to protect it. Yes,
2: hmm.
1: that's not too funny. And your show is funny. I'm sorry. I, let me try to think of something funny to say.
0: <laughs> it's all right. We've had lots of crazy nonsense on "Eat My Pagan Ass" and have you? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, lots.
1: Oh, tell me. Um, I was listening to that podcast with your um your friend. Uh, uh,
0: Carmen Carmen yeah
1: yeah yeah. and and, uh, um she was saying that she's going off with these uh with these witches and pagan leaders and Mm -hmm. and doing uh, is she doing that or is she just gonna be a showgirl in Las Vegas I mean what's really going on here
0: (laughs) you know I I can't I don't really know um I'm more toward your line of thinking that she's probably up to something no good and she's like, created this cover story involving this fantastical group of magical people. I want to join this group. You know, this is what I want to know about them. So we'll see. She's gone and I haven't I haven't heard from her. She did say that she would keep in touch and give me an update. So
1: oh, really? We'll see. As wow. soon as I hear from her,
0: folks on the show are going to be the first to know.
1: Yeah, I want to hear about this too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Interesting. She's she's an odd one. Um, getting back to fairy just one last time yes. before we leave that subject. Um, tell us a, a little bit about the, the world of fairy. Describe it to us.
1: Well, okay, but I'm going to tell you that it's a subjective thing, that your understanding of fairy is different from individual to individual. There are, of course, underlying universalities, but... I go to fairy and I see one thing, other people will go to fairy and see something else. My fairy was conditioned by, um, by my earliest recollections of places that I've been very happy, I think. Um, when I was little, I had this fancy that if you followed a dragonfly, one dragonfly because there's always many in the garden, if you follow one and you don't lose sight of it, it will take you to fairy. I never quite could do it, because they're very quick you know, especially when they think you're following them. So it's difficult, but I do think that after that I would go lie down and I would get a glimpse of fairy. Um, fairy is different every time you go, and it's different how you get there every time. I have a a, a dragon that, um, that appeared to me when I was very young. Um, It was when uh, my sister died and um, I was at the funeral and uh, I was scared, didn't quite understand what was going on. How old were you? Uh, I must have been four and um, I wanted, you know, I tried to think of the most powerful thing in the world to come and help me and of course, you know, being four, that was a dragon and the dragon came. His name uh, is Erebus, and he's my he's my spirit guide. And he often took me to Ferry. So that was one of the ways that I could travel. Um, when he took me, there was usually a place that was uh, what I needed at the time. It was always very open, lots of forests and trees. There's an ocean. Um, but it's not as unwieldy and smelly as the ocean on, on, on this Cody reality. Cody Island. <laughs>
2: it's not like Cody <laughs> Island. quite like that.
1: No, it's a bit different. And the colors are different. And um, there are lots of... Everything talks. Everything talks there. The land talks. The horses talk. Um, and so it's like a child's version of, of, some, of Paradise. There's been other times where it's been a little more... Um, Dangerous, a little more frightening. There's been uh, roads that I had to find my way through to get to on the right path. Um, but I usually get help. Horses come to me. I had a horse that was given to me by a fairy, and uh, and I had a wonderful I had a wonderful trip with him. But um, but I had to always move quickly. There was something following me that I was not sure what it was. I hate to talk about this, it sounds sounds so puerile in a way, but in fact there were very, very deep um, very intense feelings that I had about um, not just feelings, but impressions that I had that stayed with me for days and days Um, there's something about reaching fairy you hear the sound of the ocean you hear the sound of voices it's a lot of voices that you hear but there's something real quiet talking and you have to try to distinguish that sound that's another way to get to fairy and then you hear you can talk to your ancestors and you see people that you never met but you know you know that they're connected to you you can feel it and they tell you things you you can't repeat them but you understand them when they tell them to you. Uh, I don't know. Um, I've I've been um, I've done hallucinogenics also and gone to fairy. Um, yes, um, I know. No. <laughs> Please don't report me to anyone. But, um, when when I've done this, I've I've found myself following a, a labyrinth in a fold of my my shirt, just a, a grottos and labyrinths and traveling through canals and um, and there's always a journey, there's always a goal, there's something that I need a quest that I'm on and it always seems like that going to ferry m- makes everything, makes me prioritize things and I start to realize what's important, really important, what truly means something and what doesn't and it keeps keeps me on that path and has all my life.
0: Talking of quests, yeah. Grailwood is also a Grail. Grail quest is involved somehow. Oh, well,
1: we're Welsh. It's a Welsh yeah. tradition, of course. <laughs>
0: what What is the Grail, and what's the Grail quest for modern Wiccans?
1: The Grail quest. Well, there's two things that I would say about the Grail quest. One is that we um we want to understand what the blueprint for creation is and that's the grail that to drink the, of the grail gives us understanding of that that knowledge and with that knowledge would come vast wisdom the other thing of course is the mystery of awareness awareness of of self-awareness but also awareness of the illusions and the infinite mind and that's That's what we want to understand. So it's the pursuit of ultimate knowledge that we want. How does it all work?
0: Because I saw this Monty Python movie once where (laughs) they went looking for the grail. Yeah, I think
1: I saw the same one. It was great, wasn't it? Is is that the one with the... um... Is that the one with the rabbit?
0: That's, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure that there will be killer rabbits. (laughs) Really? On the (laughs) the journey? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I haven't run into them quite just yet.
0: But but... we'll know to run away.
1: Oh, yeah. Run away. Yes.
0: (laughs) Mm, Let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about pop culture for a second. Okay. There's so much, like... With with <clears throat> Buffy the Vampire Slayer, we, we had a heroine witch, you know, in in the character of Willow. Oh, that's right, that's right, yeah. Who, um, and, oh, I
1: loved her, yeah. And now
0: there's like vampires, and I, you know, just anybody who knows you knows that you're really into <laughs> vampires. Uh, uh, we're gonna
1: have to talk about which this, are we? <laughs> goth, all <of> that <laughs> yeah, stuff. <I> so, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's talk about it. Well,
1: look, you start off, you know, as a kid trying to uh, cope with reality, which mostly sucks when you're a kid and um you i used fantasy i use books i use anything i could get my hands on to change my reality so i was getting pretty adept already (laughs) before i realized that this would help me as a witch um so i do have this inordinate thirst to um to keep the fantasy going and any kind of really good high quality fantasy turns me Turns me on.
0: What are some of your favorite shows?
1: Well, of course, Harry Potter, of course the, the Lord of the Rings, um, but I like you know the silly stuff too. I like Twilight. I like I like all the the girl fantasies like Twilight and and True Blood and uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> quit laughing at me.
0: <laughs> and uh, <laughs> listen, I'm a sci-fi geek, so and I love you know, science fiction. Yeah, I live.
1: Have you seen Skyline? No. I went to Blockbusters to check it out, the one on Ninth on, uh, Avenue, and and the, the bloody store is, is going out of business. What is and that? I said,
0: is that the one where the aliens come and they're... I don't know,
1: like... but I but everybody wants it, so I want to see it too. Oh, yeah. I don't know which one this is. I think it is the alien they like invasion. They suck people up
0: into the ships. And... Yeah, I think, I, think it, so. I think
1: it'll be fun. I yeah. mean, you know, there's nothing really exciting out there in science fiction right this minute, is there, so you know Mm. you have to settle for like reasonably entertaining just now Right.
0: well i like the show merlin i watch merlin all the time that's not really science fiction it's fantasy it's a a good program it's a really good i'm I'm gonna
1: start having tv i think
0: (laughs) well i just got my cable bill and it was 300 something dollars for two months that's insane what what are you what are you watching nothing it's just internet cable Altogether, I don't, I don't understand the bill. Three
1: hundred dollars for two months—it's
0: ridiculous. Wow. I, I can't afford that. I, I don't want to. I
2: know. My I might God. have
0: to turn it off. But then, Game Game of Thrones is coming out on HBO this. So you got to wait, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> well, that's what I did. I decided to try to live without television. A because I'm, um, I don't have a lot of students right now. I won't, you know, I'm very busy with with the coven, and. So I'm not focused on making money, and I'm writing a book, and that's you know taking up a lot of time. So I said, well, you know, if I don't have television, that'll be a couple of hours that <laughs> I'll have for the book. So that's what I'm going to do. I have been without television uh, since um, let's see now October, since so the beginning of October, mm. and I'm having withdrawal still. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are times that I you know. What do you mean there's a new PBS series on oh, Victorian no. England? You know, it's, it's a nightmare. Aww. On the other hand, um, I'm starting to make quite a collection of DVDs. All right. Yeah, so.
0: Um, do you want to talk about this book that you're writing on, or do you um, prefer not to talk about things? The only
1: thing I'm going to say about it right now is that it's another rendition of The Lady of the Lake set in contemporary times. Mm. and until it's written i don't want to talk anymore about it because i'm afraid i'll i'll dispel some magic right (laughs) and right now i'm hot on the trail all right all right we
0: won't (laughs) talk about it then all right um let's talk about Mm
1: -hmm. you're thinking
0: let's talk about your pets
1: (laughs) oh what do you want to know i
0: don't know you have a menagerie here i lost my dogs. chateau de silk
1: i did lose my little dogs
0: yeah um
1: I mean, it took many, many years to lose them, but I had three. Gallifrey, Toking, and Lilishy. Lilishy was the last to go. She uh, wasn't quite 18. And uh, I'm going to get another dog. I'm looking for um, a Blue Merle Sheltie that needs me. And I just want her to know right now that I'm here. I'm ready to bring you in. Even the bird is ready for a dog. I think even George or the the cockatiel is sort of missing. You know, he he used to like to sort of torment the dogs, <laughs> and I think I think he kind of misses them. Hmm. The chins, are, I don't know. I don't think there's too causing of the animals besides you know when they get too close to the cage. So, hmm. but <laughs> I don't know what to say about them. Well, I, talk about they're my familiars. Familiars, my, yeah. Well, yeah, they um. I I definitely watch the the um, the behavioral patterns of my chinchillas because they are uh they are so group oriented and they interact with one another in such um magical ways and uh when I spend time with them it makes me so so cosmic and attuned to um to other species life this is really important I think in understanding and empathizing with other species is to is to live with them and to um, to care uh, in your own in your own space because it's a great honor to have another species living with you that's magical in of itself and to get do a good job and see that they're happy to see that they're having a good time that their life is meaningful for them that's a real accomplishment and um and i I don't use them in the sense of um my living from, uh, my living animals I don't really use as familiars, but Lilishi often I use her to um when i to help me astro project she's very good that way I follow her she calls for me and i you can mean hit, now that
0: she's passed over
1: yeah, she seems to be um she was about as magical as a doorknob until <laughs> until, you know, I lost her. But I have heard her come on the sofa and sit down next to me. I have felt She looked her... like a Jim
0: Henson puppet. <laughs> she was like this puffball. Of... I
1: know, she was so cute. Yeah, I know. She was so so cute that she didn't seem quite like a like a dog. She no. seemed, yeah, I know, I know. She was like that.
0: She was like a tribble.
1: <laughs> yeah. And she, and she was also very um She's also very vain. She, she thought she looked good. She was the only dog I ever had that, that liked to be bathed, and she would lift her her paw up and so that I would get her under the arms, make sure I didn't miss any spots when mm. I was bathing her. Mm. And she liked to be clean and she liked to to sashay around the house. You
0: know? And she could be upset if she had a bad haircut.
1: Oh yeah, she she did get very depressed if the hair <laughs> didn't come out right. Yeah, it's true. Mm. <laughs> I miss her terribly. Mm. Really do.
0: So, uh what are some of your favorite musicians? Cuz music is a big part and you're a singer in a band and Uh-huh.
2: Well, what's hmm.
0: what's some of your inspiration and what are some of your favorite magical? Inspirations? Well, lately
1: the my magical inspirations are Signarus, the the Finlandian group. I think they're Finlandian, right?
0: I don't know, I've never if heard of them. If they're not
1: Finlandian, they're definitely Scandinavian, so. Yeah, I think they're Finlandian. But oh my god, I just I just heard them and I've gotten so excited by them, I'm I'm gonna go buy everything they've ever done. And um then I, I, Norwegian. Yeah, maybe they are, I don't know. Um hmm, or they could be Icelandic.
0: Hmm. You know? What kind of music is it?
1: It's fairy music. It's it sounds like wind and water, it sounds like it's kind of dissonant, it's kind of atonal.
0: Is there vocal or is yeah, there's yeah.
1: vocals, yeah.
0: We'll play them on the podcast.
1: Okay, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I also like uh, I like a lot of heavy metal stuff. I like uh, me too. <laughs> I like uh, Ina new Sturman- Newbalten,
0: mm. which I'm not
1: saying properly, and uh, I had a German friend that tried to help me for half an hour, and I could never say the name. But I love that group, and I like I like mm-hmm. Motorhead. I realize that this is dating me, but I do. I love Motorhead, and I like um, Metallica, and um, then I like the old legend rock stuff. I still like Led Zeppelin, and I like Pink Floyd, and Mm. um, oh.
0: People are often surprised when I tell them that I'm really I like metal because. um, Not surprised. Well, because you're you're clean cut. Right, clean cut, refined. You know, aesthetic taste and things. But I, I find that.
1: But you need that hostility once in a while, yeah. right? And, yeah, and but also
0: there is a real sophistication to the musicality oh my there. My God, too. yes! Like those those the chord progressions and the when you get to a, a
1: high level of of your craft, it becomes art, and you know, art is art. It mm. doesn't matter what the technique is to get there, right? So
0: if yeah. it transports you and causes you to have a an emotional experience mm-hmm. then it's doing its job. That's
1: right. Right? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Ugh, I love Welcome to the Jungle. Just gets me down. Guns and Roses. <laughs> oh,
1: Guns and Roses. My ex-husband sort of looked like that guy. What's his name? Axel no. Rose? No, the one that played the drums. What was his name? Do uh, you know? I don't know. I don't either. Mm. But I mean, he looked so much like him at airports people would start cheering.
0: Oh. <laughs> that had to be fun, right?
1: <laughs> no, it was kind of weird.
0: No, uh... <laughs>
1: Especially because he was a musician. He didn't like
0: that. I was telling you earlier about this whole thing at Harvard with the the, the witch hunters convention. What do you think that's about kind of, that?
1: I don't even know what to say about it. I mean, I'm really sorry that I just now heard about it because it seems like that's a be a worthwhile cause to go and storm storm them down and and you know ask what 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 is it that they think they are doing. This is a, I mean, I realize this is a a country that you're allowed to profess anything that you want, but but this is people getting together talking about how to harm other people for their beliefs.
0: Right. And that's that should be wrong.
1: Yes, I think that should be illegal. You shouldn't get together to talk about how to hurt other people. You know, I mean, the witches the witches creed is do what thou wilt but harm ye none. And I that certainly breaks that precept, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Right down the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish that... Um, I mean, it's uh, sometimes it's sad that we are so uh, fragmented. We're not disenfranchised, per se, but we are fragmented. Yet, that's also our strength, because it keeps us individual, and it keeps us independent. It keeps us from becoming, you know, um, institutionalized, where we're living for the sake of the institution, you know. On the other hand, when so- I hear about something like this, I. I feel like there should be some sort of forum where we can immediately go and do something about it.
0: You said like a convocation.
1: Yeah, a convocation of witches that that's what we need. People saying, you know, we're not hurting anyone. We in fact, we're the people that are saying, you know, stop your greed, stop your stop your destruction of of this beautiful planet and Take a look at what you're doing and what you're doing to your descendants. you know you're, you're this is immoral and obscene, and it's time to 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 behave in an ethical way. so you know far from far from being the Hollywood stereotype, we're seriously trying to do something about saving this planet and keeping it for those who come after us. Hmm. That's part of our duty as stewards
0: so speaking of which yeah lately i've heard you talk a lot about putting our beliefs into practice right mm-hmm. putting putting mm-hmm. our money where our mouths are mm-hmm. or putting our feet or our voices or mm-hmm. whatever it is and just standing up and and living and representing the, the the beliefs that we as a community claim to have such as reverence for the earth and care for the animals mm-hmm. and, um and in your in your own life, this has taken on a personal quest to either become vegetarian or to you know to be to be aware of the food that you're eating and where it comes from and how those animals were treated in mm-hmm. the production of it mm-hmm. um, what can you say about that well um, it's hard right
1: yeah there's uh, so many thoughts went into my mind when you were saying that, but first of all i I um I know that um we're kind of a new tradition. Um we're only a couple of years old, our our particular group, and um so we've been establishing ourselves and and searching for our identities and so we've been very introspective as a group. And now I would really like Grail Wood to look outward and look externally at the world that we're living in and try to figure out in what way we can be of service, um, what our beliefs really, you know, it, put it into action rather than just in um, academics. Um, it's nice that we, we, we want a good liturgy. It's wonderful that we want to write songs, and, and but also what's uh, important is that um, we become a force towards um, progressive behavior towards um, our planet and um, the connection that we have to animals to I-, I realize that you know there's in there's already um, I mean animals eat animals we're at the top of the food chain this is part of this is part of the cycle of life you know that we die and um, we don't make ourselves toxic we can return to the earth and the chickens will peck at the greens that we nourish and, and so on it goes but um this unethical re- incredible abusive treatment of of um of the corporate animal world is so disgusting these factories that i i i just you know i i don't even know how to think about them it's it's like it's like thinking about concentration camps or something. It's it's all it's inconceivable in a sense. It makes me um it frightens me that human beings can say, you know, that the profit margin is more important than than the well being of all this life. So, yes, I would like very much to find a way and I'm still looking for it. It's not like I have the answers. I wish I did. I wish I was that wise, but I know that I'm not going to just sit still and do nothing about this. We're going to do something. We're going to find a way whether it's um helping one helping Greenpeace. I mean, um everyone must be aware if you, you know, I keep getting messages at any rate from Greenpeace about what's going on in Canada right now with the seal slaughter. You know, this has got to stop. This has got to stop. We we don't need We don't need to kill these animals. There is no reason to make so much misery and unhappiness. You know, this is not why we're here. And we don't need to do that. It's one thing when you have to have it. It's one thing. Then you have to start thinking about Blue D'Aveth and the eternal cycle of, of survival. But this is not what we're talking about here. You know, there's no reason to stuff a million chickens in a little coop and watch them peck on each other because they don't have enough room to have any kind of a life at all. That is immoral. That is obscene. And it should be more than just Wiccans. It should be new age people and uh, and feminists and every other fringe group that gets together and says to the mainstream, this is not permittable we will not allow this we need to coalesce about this i really do believe that i think that that's why we're here in the end Mm. to make us all conscious and aware and that means working on ourselves as well it's on you know i'm not talking about everybody out there you know we need to think about it too we need to think about what we can do and on you know and each one of us has to to ask these questions of ourselves in what way can I be more ethical to other life how can I make a difference
0: are there any um, any books or websites or anything that you have found that's helping guide you on this or
1: we just uh, sent a donation to the um, International Fund for Animal Welfare and they're, uh, they seem to be a really good group um, they have um they go you know they they're in japan right now helping the both the habitat animals and the and the um domestic animals uh in the areas worst hit by both the earthquake and the tsunami and they're probably going to have to stay there if they can and try to help the um the animals that are going to be affected by the radiation by the horrible um, mess that's going on in uh, fukushima I already mentioned Greenpeace. Um there's also I mean all of this is connected. Uh, the environment, pollution, respect for animals. This is all a this is all connected into the same world perspective that we need to take time to consider and treat with respect everything because we're not talking about something out there. We're talking about cells talking about the the organism. You know we're part of it and if we hurt the world if we hurt other things it will come back and hurt us it's all it's all connected please Um,
0: I think it's amazing that you have this level of awareness and yet you're living in one of the most urban you know environments on the planet that's so far removed from nature in a way Although
1: nature's right here. Well, I was going to say, you know, it's like, right here. I was going to ask
0: you to say what what can you say to people who are living in cities and just looking around your apartment? You surround yourself with nature, with mm-hmm. all the. You, we you must are have,
1: nature, you, even if you don't have one plant in your apartment. Uh-huh. You go down the streets of New York and you look at other people, and believe me, we are part of nature. This is not we're not divorced, mm-hmm. you know, as much as we might think we are. We're all part of the ecological system, the interaction between the land and its inhabitants. That's why we're very But
2: different.
0: do you think it helps to surround yourself with plants and animals? Well, it
1: sure <laughs> helps me. <laughs> it's a lot of work yeah. but it's also um invigorating, refreshing, um spiritually uplifting. It keeps me optimistic and it makes me feel useful. <laughs>
0: What are some of the other ways that you, as a, as a resident of New York City, as a pagan living in New York City, stay connected to the earth and to nature? Well,
1: I get the hell out as often as I can. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's uh, well, I say that facetiously, but really, the mountains, the, the ocean, it's all right here. It's not that far away. We can get there if we need to. Mm-hmm. And I need to. And I think I think all of us as human animals need to get out and feel that too. Mm. But there's also wonderful parks here. There's great places to explore. There's trails. There's, you know, if you want to be with nature, it's here. It's right here. And it doesn't matter where you live. If you're on the planet, you're part of nature. You're right there with it. Cool. <laughs> um,
0: anything you'd like to say to any... Um any of the younger listeners that are, you know, feeling isolated or in kind of hostile environments surrounded by fundamentalist Christians or whatever happens to be around them that's causing them distress right now, what what could you say to them?
1: Well, when I was growing up, um, I lived in a, what I thought of as a, I think of today as a war zone. So I I have great empathy for people who are living uh, under Uh, you know, under a regime that is difficult to to find any empathy with, or you know, if you're lonely, if you're sad I mean, most of us understand that, most of us can um, but I tell you something the thing that happened was that I grew up I got old enough to get the hell out and you can do that too, you can get the hell out, and you don't have to take this forever, you just just bide your time keep it to yourself, and the and you'll know when it's time to leave. (laughs) And do leave. I mean don't stay somewhere because you're afraid. Go ahead and be afraid. That's fine. Being afraid is part of experiencing life and you have to take risks. Risks are good because you get experience. Experience gives you um, knowledge and knowledge eventually can become wisdom. There was a time when it was more or less um, life and death you know it was against the law to come out and say you're a witch so it's totally understandable that people wanted to remain um, anonymous but today in this country people who don't want to use their names and yet profess um, a Wiccan lifestyle I mean is that really I have to question it myself. I mean, I personally see that as inequitable. I think that you need to have the courage and the pride of your convictions in order to be, especially to be a good pagan leader. You can't hide your name and then say, but, you know, this is what I believe here's here's the proof of my convictions. Well you don't have any if if you're afraid to tell put your name to it. So that's that's been bothering me a lot about some of the leaders that I know in in, in different covens that don't want anyone to know who they are. I mean, it's one thing for someone who just simply wants to to um come to ritual and be part of the pagan community. To, uh, that are afraid that it will impact on their jobs, I can understand that to a certain degree, but if you want to be a pagan leader, you need to have you need to have the faith that you're doing the right thing, that you have integrity, that you believe what you're doing is ethical, and stand up to it. That's all you know that's really that's the one thing that of all the petty stuff and the squabbling that, I, that comes up in running pagan politics and running covens, that's the one thing that keeps sticking in my craw. It really bothers me, and I don't quite know how to address it.
0: I think that's good, right? Yeah? How do you feel?
1: Yeah, I, um, I, I don't know.
0: <laughs> Anything else that you really uh... have a burning desire to expound upon?
1: I, I didn't think that I would like doing this because I, I wasn't sure. But I realized that, that all of us have something to say. And um, I'm really glad that you gave me this opportunity, actually. Um, I hope that, you know, it was of some help. And uh, next time I'll be funnier. <laughs>
0: <laughs> next time we'll we'll have some magic tea or something yeah will... right
1: yeah <laughs> it'll that. be a totally different <laughs> a totally different experience well for
0: you everyone. will i'm sober as my <laughs> listeners right. know that's right and
1: that's one of the reasons that i didn't do it
0: because, yeah
1: you know, i'm not sure that that would be respectful of of your own endeavors
0: oh, i have no qualms with it really i'm just good. interested in people being themselves
1: oh okay yeah well next time i'll really be <laughs> myself <laughs>
0: Well, thank you so much, Silky Larizel. Oh, for thank you. Appearing. I really did.
1: I really did have a good time. Oh. I appreciate this opportunity.
0: If um, if you want to learn more about Grailwood Coven, you can visit facebook dot com slash Grailwood. That's right. Um, or there'll be a website up soon too, right? Is it Grailwood dot com or?
1: Mm hmm. Uh, dot.
0: Or Grailwood dot org, I Do, think Grailwood Yeah, I
1: think so. All yeah. Right.
0: So check it out, and if anybody wants to contact you, is there an email address, or should they just go through me? I'm at and...
1: Gmail, SilkyLirazel, at Gmail. You need to talk to me, you want to know something, I'd be happy to respond.
0: How do you How do you spell your email address?
1: Uh, S-I-L-K-I-E-L-Y-R-A-Z-E-L, at Gmail.
0: At Gmail.com. Mm-hmm. So if you have any questions for Silky, go ahead and send them directly to her. And she's a wonderful, wonderful woman, a a fabulous witch, a great artist, and uh, a good friend. A very good friend. So, Silky, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you, Lucky.
1: Thank you so
2: much.
0: All right, hookers. So, stay tuned to the next episode of Eat My Pagan Ass, where we will be interviewing uh, Osimvio, who is the founder of the New York City Gay Men's Open Pagan Magic Circle. He's a tarot reader, a fashion designer, uh, and... uh, and a member of the Minoan Brotherhood. So we're wow. going to have a lot to talk about him. Oh, I'm looking forward to hearing that. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, stay tuned to that. Meanwhile, uh, check us out. Check out our other podcast on eatmypaganass.com. We're on facebook.com eatmypaganasspodcast. And on Twitter, can you guess what it is? <laughs> Eat, Eat my, my pagan pagan ass. ass. You got it. <laughs> All right, hookers. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: Sayonara.
0: This is Luckylicious from Eat My Pagan Ass, a pagan podcast that believes dirty jokes can save the world. Enlightenment doesn't have to be dull. Join us in blurring the lines between the sacred and the profane. Be offended. Be enlightened. It's all the same to us. Rules. Who needs them? If you don't like
3: it, will you get eat my pagan ass.
0: Never underestimate the power of humor. Visit eatmypaganass.com or search Eat My Pagan Ass on Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes.